The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hello and welcome to The Credit Edge, a weekly markets podcast. My name is James Crombie. I'm a senior editor at Bloomberg. Today's guests are Divya Patil, who covers India's credit markets for Bloomberg News from Mumbai. She's been all over some of the biggest stories from Asia recently, and we're delighted to have her on the show. We're also pleased to welcome Cecilia Chan, who looks at Chinese consumer product companies and casinos, among other things, for Bloomberg Intelligence. Cecilia joins us from Hong Kong. We'll be discussing the reopening of China's economy with her in a bit. That's a story that has huge implications for global finance, and I really look forward to hearing Cecilia's take on that. But before we look at China, Divya, what's the mood in India right now? It's been one of the fastest growing economies. How is it emerging from COVID and what are the big risks there? Uh, India is actually one of the fastest growing economies in the world. And uh, the, the local demand is the main driver for that for that growth. Uh, right now, currently in India, what's rocking uh, the financial markets and is making headlines is the story behind uh, the tycoon Gautam Adani and his uh, companies and also Vedanta's Anil Agarwal. Very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a vast economy and a huge population that rivals China. So we're watching that one very closely. But but you mentioned Adani. Before we dig into that credit story, for listeners who may not be familiar, what is Adani and why do we care? And, and why has it dominated the headlines in Asia and all around the world over the last few months? Uh, yes, the Adani name has dominated headlines worldwide in uh, recent times. And it has to be because Gautam Adani became Asia's richest man last year and was second only to Elon Musk in the world uh, at one point. And unlike Musk, Adani was relatively unknown outside India. Now, to give a brief background about the man himself, he was born to a small textile motion family in 1962 in the western state of Gujarat. He dropped out of university university and began his career sorting diamonds for a firm in Mumbai. He later imported materials used in manufactured goods, but by the 90s, uh, mid-1990s, he was managing the Mundra port, a port which he now owns. And as the years passed by, he emerged, you know, as India's infrastructure king, diversifying from mines, ports, and power plants into airports, data centers, and defense. You know, in fact, to give some numbers, Adani has gained control of seven airports and almost a quarter of India's air traffic. In fact, you know, he has also um, unveiled plans to boost renewable energy capacity almost eight folds by uh, 2025. Now, what has got him uh, to the spotlight is a 100-page research uh, report issued in uh, late January. Uh, it was a report from Hindenburg Research and 
the report has accused the billionaire of pulling the largest con in corporate history. It alleged the uh, Adani group of stock manipulation and accounting fraud. And you know, that has triggered an unprecedented route in, in, the, in, in, in bonds and shares of the Adani group. Now the conglomerate has strongly refuted and repeatedly refuted all the allegations made by the US short seller and has called them bogus. But there's a lot of concern still over whether it can pay back its huge debt load. And the news really has shone a light on all of the Indian companies, the way they run, the way they're structured, their complex um, you know, capital uh, arrangements and the, the shell companies that they have and all of the other, you know, the sprawling businesses that they run. Um, what What is the latest news on that in terms of, you know, the, their actual equity prices, their bond prices? How, how's the market reacting to, to the, the latest news? Right. So um, ever since the Hindenburg research report was out, there was an unprecedented route uh, in, in the in the company's bonds and stocks. But over a period of time, uh, we've, we've seen investor confidence restore back. Uh, we've seen most of the Adani bonds are out of the distressed uh, territory, uh, which is they are trading above the 70 cents mark. And we've also seen uh, certain stocks uh, of of the group uh, pair losses. Now that has come by uh, because you know uh, there have been banks like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs who have told their clients that they see part value in Adani's bonds uh, because of the underlying uh, assets. And uh, similarly, uh, we had also seen that Rajiv Jain's JQG Partners has bought uh, shares in uh, Adani groups from the Family Trust again on the basis of hardcore uh, assets. Now uh, a Apart from this, uh, uh, Adani and his aides have been in a damage uh, repair mode. Uh, they have, you know, they are they are trying to project themselves uh, as a, as very responsible uh, borrowers. They are prepaying uh, their debt. They are um, uh, paying the debt on time. They have also cut down on their aggressive uh, growth targets. And uh, all kind of firefighting is being done uh, by the management to restore back the confidence. So basically, we had a ton of news for, for weeks that was very, very negative. And only over the last few days, it seems to have calmed down a bit. Has the liquidity crisis been resolved? Uh, so I wouldn't say uh, that the liquidity crisis has been completely resolved, uh, but yes, it's 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 a lot uh, better because the tycoon, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, is is on road shows. Uh, they are, you know, uh, speaking to a lot of investors. They're detailing their refinancing plans. Uh, they uh, they have also, you know, uh, repaid. Uh, um, uh, they they have also repaid. Uh, close to two to two point five billion dollars worth of uh, loans, which were backed by uh, shares. So uh, a lot of a lot of uh, efforts are being taken by the uh, uh, by the group, and they are in a constant uh, touch. They are in constant touch with the investors to make sure to you know to highlight that the company's finances are in control. And these are not just local investors, right? They're investors all around the world. Uh, absolutely. These are just not local investors. These are investors all around the world. And uh, uh, that's that's also because, you know, the conglomerate has raised uh, about $8 billion from the international bond buyers in recent years and an equal amount uh, from global banks in form of foreign currency loans. So uh, 
investors across the globe are being affected and that's one of the reasons why uh, the group is meeting investors also globally they started off with uh, uh, you know investor meetings in singapore and hong kong they had one in the headquarters in india in gujarat currently they are in dubai london and us so they are meeting touching base with all investors and one re you know one of the reasons why uh, investors had bought into the adani group was because you know uh, they betted that the tycoon strategy of dovetailing his interest with the government's development program would pay off so what's the latest what are we watching for next is there a big maturity coming due is there some kind of uh, trigger that might put them into more trouble uh so, so currently there is no big maturity coming uh, due for the Adani group companies. Uh, in fact, there are uh, interest payments that are due, but so far the group has always shown that they have paid the interest on time. Uh, even even the group has uh, mentioned that, you know, they, uh, that the companies face no material refinancing risk and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and there are no liquidity, near-term liquidity requirements uh, by the company. Um, sources have been telling us that you know um, uh, the company may look to refinance or replace uh, with with new fundraising uh, basically uh, the adani green energy bonds um, sources have told us that the company may replace the existing dollar notes with more longer term 15 year kind of uh, maturity uh, but um, the the, the group's cfo uh, robbie singh at one of the recent gatherings has clearly mentioned that uh, the group the conglomerate itself isn't looking to refinance debt or to inject capital. When we talk to the lenders and the investors here, how are they feeling about this situation? Are they reassured? Are they much calmer now? Are they happy to lend more to this company? So yeah, of course they are reassured because uh, we must take into account that uh, most of uh, Adani's debt is backed by hardcore assets. These are cash generating assets and uh, these are projects that will earn a revenue uh, over a period of time. Now, as far as lending, uh, that isn't very clear. Uh, I think uh, still a lot of uh, investor confidence, a lot of confidence has to be built in, into the creditors for you know fresh lines to be uh, started. And as you mentioned, it's a very um, key business for India um, and for the government. It's very close to the Modi government. Is that uh, an area of uh, reassurance for investors that it's so close to the government or is it an area of risk? No, no, absolutely. Uh, he he is perceived, uh, Gautam Adani is perceived uh, to have very close ties with uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi. In fact, you know, both of them hail from the same, uh, same state uh, of Gujarat. And, uh, you know, the tycoon's meteoric growth mirrors Modi's own political journey to the top elected office. In fact, uh, you know, um, Adani's corporate strategy also runs very parallel with Modi's effort to develop the Indian economy. And, you know, when Modi promised reliable electricity connections to uh, more Indians, Adani had doubled down on coal-fired power production. Uh, in fact, and this, this alignment is just not reflective in the domestic affairs, but it also extends to the uh, foreign affairs. And in, in 2021, um, you know, Adani began construction of a major port in Sri Lanka and officials from both uh, the uh, countries told that the project was was uh, you know 
prompt you know promoted uh, by uh, the modi government because uh, they wanted to keep the chinese influence away from the island nation so it's 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 very clear and obviously investors also do take uh, you know the take confidence from the fact that ta- the tycoon they, um, adani himself runs uh, his his corporate strategy which is very close to india's own strategy is it simply too big to fail uh yes i mean uh, see the damage to billionaire gautam adani's empire could derail prime minister narendra modi's economic plan as the conglomerate operates the largest chunk of infrastructure projects including green energy in asia's third largest economy in fact modi's uh, opponents you know have also highlighted that there are millions of uh, small investors which could be at risk uh, because of the exposure of state owned institutions in adani's businesses so largely yes i mean uh, failing of adani could risk halting uh, you know uh, modi's economic plan for the country and when we step back a bit and look at the situation i mean i know we're in the midst of the storm here still but but is paying back the debt enough to save adani is that is that what they need to do or or is it really more of an issue of transparency it's more of an issue of uh, transparency obviously the debt load is big it's close to 30 billion dollars but uh most of his debt is also backed by a lot of hardcore cash generating assets so it is about debt but at the same time it is also about transparency about uh, corporate governance about you know decoding uh, the lot many companies that he has in mauritius uh, so it, it and you know the public float of his shares itself is pretty low so it does need a lot of transparency so when we look beyond the situation I mean, this is a situation that has caused you know huge reactions it's caught everyone's attention across the world what are the bigger implications for india's credit markets and even beyond india you know to to other emerging markets yeah i mean uh, adani in fact has been one of the biggest issuers from the indian uh, credit market in recent years 8 billion dollars in a very short span of time is what he has borrowed and uh, investors across the globe you know they bought into his uh, into his debt because they wanted to they were betting on india's strong economic growth so any failure would definitely have repercussions across uh, credit markets let it be india or let it be overseas has this sort of news scared away foreign investors um so far i wouldn't say that it has scared them away but definitely they are weighing the situation very closely they they follow in the dates very closely they they are looking they're watching out for every news headline that's coming up about prepayment refinancing private placements uh, in fact the the group is on road shows currently so uh, clearly there is a, there is a lot of interest in uh, every every move of the tycoon and his group is being watched very carefully Devia Patel of Bloomberg News, thank you so much for joining us. This is a fascinating story with broad implications and we look forward to reading all of your scoops on the Bloomberg terminal and of course at bloomberg.com. Switching gears a bit here, as I mentioned earlier, we are very fortunate to have Cecilia Chan from Bloomberg Intelligence, who's based in Hong Kong. What's the mood on the ground where you are, Cecilia? The masks came off only very recently after one of the longest mandates for wearing them of anywhere in the world. How are people feeling about that? Yeah, actually it's great. Um everybody is unmasked. Well, uh, well surprisingly, I think like 
if you walk on the street, 50% of people are still wearing their mask. And, but then in the Bloomberg office, most of us are unmasked. And finally, I can see some faces, you know, of our colleagues. That's great. That's great. Last time I was there, there was a fear of a very hefty fine if you didn't wear a mask, even in the street, which seemed, seemed quite surprising to me because I live in New York. <laughs> yeah, people tend to still wear masks um, in some crowded places, like uh, in the trains, in the bus. So, yeah. So we're here really to talk about the reopening of China, um, which has you know, started since early December, but it's a huge story for the global economy. It will feed through to rates, it will feed through to growth. It has all sorts of implications for, for inflation. Um, so the whole world really is very, very fixated on this story. And, and you're right on top of it in terms of these sectors and the companies that you cover. So just kind of wanted to get a sense from you um, broadly. You know, where are we in that big reopening that China is going through right now? Well, China has been reopened for like three months already. And so, um, well, at the beginning, there was a surge in COVID infections, but then this has since peaked. So um, we see that like the mobility measures are now recovering back to the pre-COVID level. And we do see consumers coming out, um, start shopping in physical shops and then going to restaurants to eat. And so we do see like, uh, for example, sectors in catering, um, offline retail, hotels and tourism related services, they are benefiting from this uh, China's reopening. So those are the main sectors that we think will do best out of this. Yep, that's what we are thinking. And so with consumers really getting back to the stores, physical stores, bricks and mortar for spending, how does that affect the uh, e-retailers that I know you cover quite intensively? Yeah, um, well, for the e-commerce growth, we think um, it will slow down a bit um, compared to the total retail sales because uh, we are now forecasting, for example, 2023, the total retail sales will grow by 7% uh, this year versus last year is like a minus 0.2%. But online retail growth is going to slow down a bit to around 5% this year versus 11% last year. And so uh, we do think that online retail sales to slow down a bit, but then at the same time, I think it's still going to grow. The reason is because um, the, the, the consumers has already changed their purchasing pattern to online instead of offline. And also there's some easing of COVID cost uh, logistic disruption. And so it's going to actually help people to um, buy. But then at the same time, I think in the first quarter, we do, we do see like people starting to buy more from the physical shops, but then later on, it will go, they will go back to the online purchasing. So are you noticing that where you are, that a lot more people are in the shops now? Yep, definitely. And we do see like tourists coming back to Hong Kong. And is it, what are they buying mostly? Is it discretionary stuff? Is it, I don't know, jewelry? Is it um, TVs? I mean, what, what, what's, what's getting mm. the demand right now? Well, I think the the first day will still the first stage will still be like restaurants, you know, benefiting from that, and then um, the 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 discretionary spending like um, apparels, jewelries, they may come later, you know, and so yeah, that is what we are forecasting right now. Okay, so within the sectors, within the ones you're talking about, which companies are we really looking at? Which which ones are we focused in terms of winners and losers, if you like? Well, if we are saying um, about the for the e-commerce business, um, I think Alibaba, JD.com, these two are the giant um, uh, e-commerce retailers in e-retailers in China, and so those two definitely will benefit from that. Um, and also, there's another company called Meituan. Um, it's a it's the largest um, 
Chinese local services company, which provides like food delivery um, and also like to uh, hotels and uh, rooms booking, etc. And so this company will also benefit from the from the pickup of uh, local demand. And are there any companies that are still struggling with with the reopening that that won't do so well? Do you think? Uh, well, I think for the e-commerce uh, credit issuers, because those are the giant ones, right? And so probably they will benefit from that, even though the online um, sales will growth will slow down a bit. But then because of their large market position, etc., um, and so it's going to support their 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 um. The, the position, but at the same time, we do see some companies like competition, you know, rising competition from for the for these e-commerce and retailers. Um, for example, from the social um, e-commerce that we said, like for example, the platforms that uh, involve like uh, uh, short videos, you know, those ones are the competition for the for our um, credit issuers. But um, we don't think this will be a big um, credit risk for them for now. So when you look at it from a credit standpoint, this is obviously the, the credit edge that we're talking about here. We have a lot of people that look at that that angle of things. How do you how does this all play out? Are they particularly cheap sectors at the moment or cheap companies or, or very rich ones? Or how, how priced in is this whole reopening right now? Well, I think part of the the, the reopening has already priced in into um, the e-commerce issuers, uh, but we do see that um, they will still like have um, tightening potential for Alibaba, JD.com, um, and Meituan. The reason is because um, if we compare them to the US um, e-retailers, uh, they still have the potential to, to tighten, and especially we don't think there are a lot of um, risks on, on these uh, e-commerce uh, businesses, um, and especially because they have very good uh, uh, financial flexibility, they have very strong uh, balance sheet strength, and so it's going to support their their um, credit profile. So we do see that these three companies, they may still have a potential tightening. But if you talk about, uh, like for example, the advertising um, uh, that the advertising uh, companies like uh, Weibo, Baidu, then these two may suffer a little bit. Um, performance may come, um, like uh, the earnings performance may actually recover slightly slower than these e-commerce businesses. The reason is because um, the e-retailers, they tend to um, benefit from the China's reopening because consumers will spend, right? But at the same time, for the, the advertisers, they may want to make sure that there is enough um, pick up in the consumer confidence and then they will start spending on the advertising, right? So um, for uh, Weibo especially, the pickup of earnings will be slightly slower than, for example, the EV tellers and even for Baidu. Very interesting. We're talking about US dollar debt, right? Not talking about local currency. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dollar yeah. denominated. Yes, it's all dollar denominated bonds. And, and there's a fair amount of participation already from international investors. Yep, that's right. Okay. Interesting. One of the big um, trades, I mean, I look quite closely at US credit and I was looking at the uh, high yield trades of last year. And one of the most successful was uh, buying bonds in uh, casinos based in Macau, which is the, um, you know, basically the big Vegas of China. Um, and there just seemed to be this huge rebound in, in those in those bonds. Um, what's going on there at the moment, Cecilia? What, what do you, what's your view of that of that uh, sector? Yeah, um, the sector actually review it uh, positively. The reason is because of gain, um, China's reopening in December, and also um, they have uh, 
we started, uh, they have resumed the, the, the group visas and also the e-visas for the Chinese tourists to come to Macau. Um, that, were, that happened uh, since like November. And so actually we do see Macau's uh, gross gaming revenue recovering. And during the past like Lunar New Year, we do see that there is a, a, a rebound in recovery. Actually during um, uh, the, the GGL during uh, Chinese New Year, it rebounded to 60% of 2019 level. And so it's actually um, surprise, a surprise to the market. And so for our BI team, we actually revised our, our gross gaming revenue forecast for Macau this year to 52% of pre-pandemic level compared to our previous forecast of 42%. Because previously we thought um, there could be like some, uh, maybe the COVID uh, cases will spike and then it will, it will uh, slow down the recovery, but actually it's not. Um, people are, I guess the pent up demand is just so huge, you know, from China. And so people come to, to, to Macau during Chinese year. And then um, I guess the next step will be on the sustainability of the recovery, whether people will really like come back to Macau, you know. And so far we do see that um, uh, it's actually improving, yeah, gradually. And then uh, the sustainability is there. And especially, um, you know, the tourist attractions around Macau, like Hong Kong, Guangzhou and Hainan province, they are also opening. And so it attracts the tourists to come to, um, for example, to Macau and to Hong Kong, you know. And so, yeah, so we do see Macau is, is recovering quite, quite nicely, yeah. You expect it to get back to 100% anytime soon? Oh, well, <laughs> 100% maybe in 2024, because we do see like tourists may, the Chinese tourists may also go to, I don't know, to, to other Asian countries like uh, Korea, which just announced that they are no longer checking the, the COVID test from, from, from the China, from China um, for the Chinese tourists. And so, yeah, I think there will be some like, demand going to overseas uh, traveling, yeah. Okay, very interesting. We, we can never talk about credit, Cecilia, obviously without discussing risk. Um, and obviously regulatory risk is one of the keys affecting the China Chinese internet and gaming market. Um, how do you expect that to play out? I mean, what are the chances of an easing of those risks this year? Well, for Macau Gaming, actually, um, after the government entered into um, the, the new 10-year gaming concessions with the six licenses, um, we think the biggest uh, regulatory risk should be eliminated. And also with the opening of uh, Macau and China's border. And so it should support Macau's tourism recovery. And so we actually don't see... Um, incremental risk for the Macau gaming sector in the coming maybe next um, like 12 to 24 months. We don't see that. And so, yeah, for Macau gaming, we are not too worried about um, reg regulatory risk. And for the China internet risk, um, previously regulatory risk really is the biggest um, risk for the sector. Um, but uh, I, I guess um, starting from 2022, we do see that there are some easing of the regulatory risk, but uh, we won't say it disappeared. And so, uh, but as um, like currently they are, China is having the two sessions meeting, right? And then they do mention that um, China economic growth will be the key focus. And also back in December, um, they have the Central Economic Work Conference. And then they also mentioned the same thing. And they also said they will support the internet companies in, uh, for example, um, 
in development and also creating jobs, and they should also focus in self-reliance and self-improvement. And so we think that that actually suggests the industry oversight may be like less heavy-ended in the future. And so we do see that, for example, in 20, 2022, there are some positive uh, regulatory uh, development. For example, the fintech giant Ants Group, uh, which Alibaba owned about a third of the ownership, um, they got approval to raise 1.5 billion uh, US dollar for its consumer finance unit. And so, and also like imported gains um, approvals have resumed, so which that will benefit like 10 cents. And so we do see that there are some easing of the regulatory risk in, in the internet sector. And so um, I think in the past year, we do see that these major internet companies have been like showing that they can manage the risk and adjust their strategies to cope with um, the regulatory changes. And so I think that will also help the, interest, the internet insurers uh, to maintain their strong credit profiles. That's it. Thank you. So just going back to the reopening in, in very broad terms, is there any chance that the government might reverse the current policy and go back to any of the lockdowns, any of the restrictions, any of the um, you know, COVID policy that we've seen over the last few years? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but at least, well, the government has been mentioning, kept mentioning about the focus now is on economic growth. And so I don't really see um, the, uh, the country, you know, reverting back to a zero zero COVID policy um, because it's actually like re really ruining um, the, the, the economic growth. So, but we don't know. <laughs> I cannot answer for the government. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Well, let's hope you're right, Cecilia. It's very important to keep on top of those sectors right now and get a handle on the reopening of China's economy, one of the biggest stories in global finance right now. We'll read all of your analysis of Chinese consumer companies and the sector with great interest on the Bloomberg Terminal. Thank you so much, Cecilia Chan of Bloomberg Intelligence. Thank you. And thanks again to Divya Patil from Bloomberg News. Read all of her scoops on the terminal and at Bloomberg.com. Really important to keep an eye on that Adani story, no matter what, where you're based. Divya and her team will continue to break a lot of news about that in the coming weeks. I'm James Crombie. It's been a pleasure having you. See you next week on The Credit Edge. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio.